How can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got I to gotta check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. A baseball first podcast, sort of, featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one. Today's secret ingredient is I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch has got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. You are listening to Booze and Baseball with Derek Johnson. I'm Dusty Baker. Pull up a seat. Sit with us at our bar. Let's talk some ball. And uh, Derek, it is November the 14th. So what I wanted to do, because we are now officially in the offseason, I wanted to take a quick look back at a few interesting days on this date uh, in years past. So 2022, just a year ago, the Cubs released Jason Hayward. We all know that he found his way back with the Dodgers in 2023. Uh, Had a decent season after being cut by the Cubs and his horrible contract with them. Uh, In 2019, the Braves signed Will Smith. Will Smith goes on to win World Series in three consecutive years. Got to be one of the wildest things you'll see, the three different teams as well. And then in 2011, I thought this was a really unique one, the Phillies signing Jonathan Papelbon after having a great career with the Red Sox. He'd go on to be an all-star with the Phillies that first year, and then his contract kind of fell off after that. So it kind of just goes to show that you send those big contracts out to some of those relief guys. And usually on the back end, it doesn't work out that well. Um, But uh, at this point in time, I think the big thing to take away from these three signings, guess what, Derek? It is free agent season. Um, Any of those stand out to you as well? Well, what stands out to me there is that we actually had activity. We had things happen. I mean, less so with the Jason Hayward releasing one, because that's the type of stuff that's kind of happening right now. Uh, But like, you know, Will Smith, that was was a pretty big free agent um acquisition at the time for them you know um he was coming off a really good year and Jonathan Papelbon obviously was was very notable in terms of being one of the better closers in the MLB we actually had action and here I am sitting just being like are we going to actually get like a real free agent signing before Thanksgiving yeah I I'm curious to see that as well we're going to talk about that down the stretch here in just a little bit but uh, yeah you nailed it I mean at this point in time keep your eyes peeled because Quite frankly, something could happen, and, and it could be something small. And it, this always happens every free agency where a guy gets cut that maybe didn't live up to the expectations of his contract or on the other end, a guy that maybe once upon a time was good or maybe wasn't good and is signed and all of a sudden they pan out. So, uh, you know, those tiny little transactions that happen around now that you kind of, uh, you know, push to the wayside don't look past them sometimes because some of these signings guys just come out of nowhere um, or they do what they did in the past, you know? So I think this is a perfect example. And then at other times, you know, like the Papel bond where people were excited, I believe at that point he was the best reliever on the market at that uh, 2011 free agency. 
you know, they don't necessarily work out long term. So it's another thing to keep in mind that you're not winning the offseason. We learned that from the Padres recently. You know, we've learned that from previous teams as well that signed major contracts. The Rangers, uh, who we'll talk about in just a moment, you know, they didn't play well in the first year after signing Seager and Semyon. So obviously you win the offseason doesn't mean you're winning the regular season. I think that's something to just remind people as we go into this new year. But speaking of which, Derek, what are you drinking before we do our first cheers of the offseason? So because this is a season recap, you know, pop the champagne for the Rangers. I think I might have did this last year, too. I don't remember, but um, I, I'm going champagne and orange juice. It's a mimosa. Very simple, right? I mean, celebrate champagne. You see, you know, boom, easy drink. Yeah, I, uh, I will explain why I'm doing what I'm doing in just a second here. But I'm doing the most basic drink that's Miller Lite. Um, and uh, they call this the high life, right? And uh, quite frankly, the reason why is because the Rangers took it higher with Creed. And so there's nothing higher in life than Creed taking them higher to the championship. And so with that in mind, we are I'm wearing a Texas shirt for all my friends back home uh, in Texas. We're going to do a cheers to the Rangers, cheers to the franchise that deserve to have a championship from this point. Cheers to them. And Derek, let's and is get that, right is that a Is that a Corey Seager jersey? No, you know, that's a good guess. That is a good guess, actually. So I, I'm, I'm a diehard Dodgers fan, but my AL team is the Rangers. Uh, and that's just because I kind of adopted them when I went to school in Texas. And I worked with them for a very long time. I worked with the Rangers for about four years. Uh, just kind of their front office and the people in their media department. Um, so naturally, I kind of just latched on to, okay, I like the people here. I like the fan base. They deserve a lot. Um, this is an Adrian Beltre shirtsey. Mm, and he was one of my one. favorite players. Yeah, he's the he's the ultimate, outside of Seager, the ultimate Dodger turned Ranger. So I, I loved Adrian Beltre. I was there for his 3,000 pit. Um, so I honestly, like, I'm very excited and happy for the Rangers fans. I know how much this means to them. Um, you know, they've been sitting there for years waiting on the Cowboys to win a Super Bowl. And I, sometimes you just kind of feel bad for the Rangers because they get kind of the second look and, you know, they win the world series. And I think it's a reminder to the Dallas Fort Worth area that, Hey, we're here. We have a new stadium. We have a new complex with the Texas live, like watch us because we're legit. And we just signed Seeker and we signed Semyon and we have DeGrom and, uh, they tried to trade it for Scherzer and then they get Montgomery. Like they are a good team. And it's awesome that they won because I actually think it's really good, not just for baseball, but just simply for the DFW area uh, that they got the chance to finally raise the trophy. And, and they're going to be able to raise the banner in the next year. Uh, you've lived in Texas for a little bit. You grew up, uh, at, you, you, you lived in Plano for a tad bit. Mm -hmm. So you kind of understand what this means for them as well. Yeah, it's really cool for them. And uh, obviously they had the the so close to winning the back-to-back -back years they were in a decade ago. And especially the Cardinals one is the one that's, sticks out because they were up three to two Nelson Cruz unable to make the catch in right field David Freeze just doing you know heroic things um it, it's cool anytime you see a team that hasn't won a title before win it and um you know I, I go back to it, 2010 when when the Giants beat the Rangers in the World Series that was the first time the Giants had ever won since they moved to San Francisco they had been close and so I know what that meant to San Francisco and you know me as a fan and everything so uh, to see that happen again, and, and I, I love Bruce Bochy, always will. Um, uh, just awesome, man. Uh, awesome, and, and I think it's good for the sport, too, because um, the Rangers spent a lot of money uh, last offseason and the offseason before, 
and to where they kind of built this thing up and they had young players come up. So it's like that kind of nice blend of like, hey, hey, you got to spend money, but also you need to invest well in your scouting department and have good young players. And they blended that perfectly into a World Series. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And uh, it's I'm, I'm just happy. I'm happy for the fan base. They deserve it. It's a good, good team to root for. I think this was one of those World Series where – you couldn't really go wrong either way as uh, you know, more of a neutral fan. I mean, you'd either be happy the Diamondbacks get it for the first time since 01 or the Rangers get it for the first time ever. But as somebody that's been there and seen what they've had to deal with and um, just knowing the importance of baseball in that area to some of those people, it's, it's awesome. It really is because I think they just get overshadowed by the Cowboys. And it's unfortunate to a degree on the national scale because – you know, even when the Rangers are in the World Series, people are talking about the Cowboys, right? So um, it's it's good that they kind of take center stage here. And you saw it with the Stars, uh, you saw it with TCU a year ago. I like it. Seems like everybody in the DFW area, except for the Cowboys, is actually playing pretty good ball to a degree. You saw the Mavs win the title way back in uh, 2010s, but um, the the fact of the matter is, this is the Rangers' turn, and so it's uh it's awesome that they get that opportunity. And we're going to talk more about this World Series and, and postseason as a whole down the stretch here. I want to quickly touch on what we did during the regular season because this is our wrap up show for this 2023 year. And so Derek and I had done stocks on each of these teams. Um, we basically at the midway point in the year we decided we were going to take their winning percentage of certain teams that we believed in that we're going to get better down the stretch and throw a certain amount of money at them. We would have shares. Each share would essentially be the cost of their winning percentage. So, for example, if you had a 500 winning percentage and I had one share, um, obviously that means that it would go down to, you know, it, it would it would be 0.5 at the time, and um, you want it to go higher or lower. You, you obviously want it to go higher based off of uh, the value of that team that you think they're going to be better than 500 by the end of the year, right? So um, that's kind of how we broke it down. Derek, we're going to start with yours first. Uh, you picked the Guardians, the Royals, the Mariners, the Mets, the Cardinals, and the Padres. You figured at the time that we did this during the year that they would have better conclusions. And it appears you were pretty much spot on with most of these. The Guardians, uh, you had thrown money on them. They had gone up uh, as far as win percentage. The Royals went up. Uh, the Mariners barely did, but they they went up enough that uh, you, know, you made some money there. Your only dr real drop-off was the Mets. The Mets dropped off towards the back end. Uh, they were $14.16 on your 30 shares when you started with them. They finished with $13.80. You really didn't lose much there. The Cardinals went up uh, about a buck for you. And then the Padres also went up about 60 cents. You threw 30 shares on each of these teams. Is there anything you regret after making $4.92 on our bets? Yeah. Um I, I thought the Guardians were going to definitely finish better than they ended up being. Uh, uh, that was a young playoff team from a year before. I thought they would bounce back to kind of where they were, and, and that just never kind of materialized for them. The Royals one ended up being great, which is weird to say about a team that won 56 games. Um, but the reason why is because they went 12-5 and five in their last 17 games, which, like, that was just completely random for them. So that kind of saved me there. And honestly, that might have been the difference in, in me – um, you know, uh, getting a few extra dollars over the top here and, and maybe coming out on top. So uh, that was a good one. I, I Yeah, the Mets, uh, that one was just kind of a disaster. Who could have foresaw them, you know, selling from what they were? Uh, Cardinals kind of a disaster, but still where we got them at the time, it still ended up being a profit. Uh, Padres, again, another team that needed 
kind of a late push there to get the over. I still think that Padres team is a lot better than maybe the numbers showed because they lost so many one score games, extra inning games. But um, yeah, I, I kind of went for the the bargain bin for most of these. I, you know, you didn't want to be in on the teams who had too high of a winning percentage, and then uh, things got you know difficult from there, even though they played similarly to where they were. You also divvied it up where you had 30 shares of stock in each of these teams. I didn't do it the same way. You you kept it kind of consistent across the board. If you could do it all over again, would you do the same thing? Yeah, I think I'd do that again. Uh, you know, honestly, if I was going to do more in one, I might have ended up doing more in the Mets or the Cardinals. So it, it's a good thing that I didn't. So, yeah, probably worked out that I split it up evenly. Well, you did it very differently than I did, but uh, you made $4.92. Uh, and also, by the way, uh, between the two of us, so you saved uh, $22.06 left over. I saved $24.93. So keep that in mind that Derek bet about $2 more of his uh, portfolio, if you will, and he ends up uh, with that total. So that that's that's a pretty impressive um, start for you. So $4.92 for Derek. For myself, I put money on the Astros, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Twins, the Pirates, the Padres, the Royals, and the Cardinals. Uh, I had just slightly more teams that I picked than Derek that I expected to do better down the stretch. Um, if you look at it across the board, so the Astros, they went up from when I bid on them at the, start, at the middle of the year. They kind of had that nice late run. The Yankees fell off. So essentially in that sense, I was one and one in my predictions. The Dodgers significantly went up. Uh, they had that hot streak towards the end. Remember, at one point in time, they were at a pace, I believe, when we did this, of 88 wins. So they go on to win 100 games. So that was a pretty huge gap for me there. Um, the Twins, that was also a good one. I was happy about that because, obviously, they became a pretty solid playoff team that found themselves in the ALBS. So uh, they went up, uh, finished about a buck higher than when I put money on them. But then... I fell off a little with the Pirates, just a tad bit. The uh, Pirates didn't do much. They only lost me about 15 cents. The Padres, they went up slightly for me. The Royals went up slightly for me. And the Cardinals went up slightly for me. So I hit on everything except for the Yankees. The Yankees was the only one I dropped off on. And it wasn't even really much more than a dollar. In fact, it was a 90 cent drop off there. So uh, you would assume that would be huge for me. But I also had $24.93 left over. I could have thrown more money and more stocks at these guys. And I did it differently than Derek. Um, the way that I staggered it was I put 40 on the Astros, 40 shares, 25 on the Yankees and the Dodgers, 20 on the Twins. And then I really barely pinched my pennies. And, and I threw 15 on the Pirates, 10 on the Padres and Royals, and five on the Cardinals. Had I actually been a little more liberal with how I had used my stocks, probably would have made a lot more money. Instead, I made $3.74. So here's the good news, Derek. Both of us made money. Here's the bad news. I owe a drink and technically a little more than a drink because you beat me by $1.18. So our uh, comparative difference here forces me to basically shotgun a drink. That's the essence of the 18 cents. Instead of just drinking it, I have to shotgun it. Um, so that's what I'm going to have to do right now. And so... Um, Derek, here are my final words, and you can you can talk while I shotgun uh, as you break down where I went wrong, um, because clearly I, I I made a mistake here. And take me through what I did wrong as I go to town on this Miller High Life, my second of this podcast. I mean, honestly, if either one of us would have just put all our money in the Royals, we probably would have been 
a big winner. And I know the margins don't sound very big. We just went with a low number just to make it easier on us for math. Like if we wanted to, you could just basically say, okay, well, we put, you know, instead of, um, I don't know, $14.58 in the Padres, that was really like putting $1,458 in the Padres and, and it returned $1,500 and then the, the margins become you know, you win, I don't know, $400 or something like that. So uh, I like the game. We didn't get a chance to, to get back to it in the season and maybe buy and sell some of the stocks, which would have added uh, another part of it. But you look miserable after shotgunning that beer. Oh, that was awful. Um, yeah, in the time that Derek just talked, I just shotgun a beer. It's uh, it's 1130 in the morning. Um, I had uh, I'd done PT before this, and that was my breakfast. Oh. Oh, God, this is why you don't bet on these shows, guys. Um, Yeah, that was painful. And I, Derek, I don't know about you, but uh, Derek and I went on a bachelor party trip a couple weeks ago. I, I can't do it the same I once did, man. It is, <laughs> it, 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 it just, I, I ain't the same anymore. There's just no yeah. chance. Like, I see these guys win the World Series and they have their beer showers. Notice they're not drinking it. They're just pouring it on each other. Yeah, no, I, I feel washed. I'm 28, soon to be 29 years old. And so, you know, um, it's one of those things where I can understand why guys might fall out of their prime when they're 28, 29, 30 years old and, you know, professional sports, you just, you just, I don't know. You, you don't wake up the same. You don't recover the same. Yeah. I, I, I'm in pain right now. That was awful. Like I, I can't tell you the last time I shot in a beer. Um, I'm never making that bet again. I hope you know that. Uh, or I'm just going to learn from my mistakes as we do that again next year. Cause that is something we're going to try again in the, the following season. But, oh, my gosh, that was awful. Um, and that's just one beer. Like, some kid from college that's – I'm struggling to even talk. Uh, some kid from college <laughs> that's listening to this podcast is probably like, suck it up, bro. I did seven of these on a Saturday night after my team won by 22 points in Alabama. Like, I honestly, I can't get to that point anymore. I, I, I respect those that are in college right now that can do this. I think I'm a one and done when it comes to shotgunning. I, I might retire from that, actually. That was that was miserable. Oh okay, well, at least we got a video documentation of the final time that you ever do it. I hey, I knocked it out a decent amount of time. I think you maybe said a sentence in that that frame. So at least at least the speed's still there. But yeah, the uh, the efficiency. Holy cow! When's the last time you shotgun a beer? Ah, gosh, maybe at one of our reunions a couple of years ago. I don't know. It's been a while. I'm I'm not a big it's, shotgun guy. I'm I'm not either. That that see that's the extra eighteen cents. That's where that came from. The, the extra 18 cents had to be catered somehow. So, it, it, you know, chugging a beer is not bad. That was, I mean, there's nothing left in this thing. Like, this thing is empty. But um, I still got this other guy that I, is my actual drink for the show. So, I'm, I'm suffering. This is my, uh, my breakfast for the day. So, uh, thankful for our TV jobs that force us into weird schedules during this time of year that that we can't drink at night. So uh, anyways, I digress. Um, moving on from the shotgunning, Derek, overall wrapping up our MLB stock next year, you know, you're going to see teams, obviously that are going to have slow starts, fast starts, whatever it may be. Is there a team already that you're kind of identifying though, as you think that they could be good down the stretch considering, Hey, they may have prospects that they're going to hold off on and, and waiting to call them up and, uh, maybe a team that you're expecting may not start out strong, but has the pieces to be good. Like, would there be a team out there already that you're identifying that would be good like that? 
Yeah, I mean, well, I already got in on a couple futures, and I know this isn't the same question you're asking, but it's kind of similar on uh, a couple teams. I am uh, very interested a little down the line on some of these that you can get right now. Um, I mean, I, it's it's kind of interesting with the Reds being 50-1 to 1 right now on futures because they're still going to have even more prospects coming up, and I'll be interested to see what they do kind of free agency trading-wise. Maybe Jonathan India goes on the move and you know gets them a pitcher or something like that. So that becomes kind of uh, curious to me. The Giants at 40 to 1, I'm I'm very uh, doubtful of what they're going to do in the offseason because we've heard this so many times with Farhan. They're going to be aggressive, and then they're not aggressive. So we'll see. But if they do actually end up being aggressive for once, getting them now at 40 to 1, and then let's say they go out and sign Yamamoto or uh, a Blake Snell or Cody Bellinger or something, all of a sudden those odds might be closer to 25 to 1, 30 to 1. So maybe you can get some good value there. Um, Red Sox at 30 to one is kind of an interesting one. And, uh, you know, the Mariners at 20 to one are the one that I'm kind of really eyeing here because the Mariners, um, are a team that has the pitching good enough to win the world series. Are they going to have enough hitting? Obviously they have some players that, that are mainstays in the lineup. Um, but another year of Jared Kalanick, you know, uh, can you get some of these guys to continue to improve? What are they going to do in free agency, right? Tay Oscar Hernandez is a free agent and everything. Uh, what are they going to do there? And, you know, possibly having some more players that can come up. I mean, they've got some players, too, in the prospects that are maybe deeper in the minors that could end up being fodder for a trade. Like a Lazaro Montez is just like packing huge power numbers at the uh, A level to where maybe he could be traded for, you know, at the deadline this next year. So the Mariners are the one to me, and we've seen the AL West be the, the World Series division the past two years now, right? Astros and the Rangers, why not Seattle? They can break another uh, – kind of world series title drought here too yeah I, I i like all of those i think i'm kind of on board with you on the reds um and part of it's i think a little bias on my end because i've watched all these kids kind of grow from where i'm at right now and um i know how good they can be uh, i think la de la cruz just needed a little seasoning and he, he still needs a little bit of it but i think he's gonna be legit matt mcclain I'm a firm believer in, I think Matt McClain has the capabilities to be like a perennial all-star the way that he played this year. Uh, he's special, man. Like that is a good dude on and off the field and talent wise. I mean, he's like a mini Dustin Pedroia, right? Like mm. he's kind of the same way there. There's some, some comps there where average. I, I, I see some of it. The thing that gets me is Pedroia had like a 10% K rate throughout his career. And right. McClain was at like a 30 last year. But also remember, this is his first year in the league, and and he wasn't. Oh striking yeah, it, out it's going to get better. I'm just saying, like when you, like yeah, okay. McLean this past year was at a 28 and a half percent K yeah. rate. Dustin Pedroia, uh, let's see, throughout his career, his first year in the majors, he was at a seven percent. For his Which career, he's at nine point seven. That that is Which insane. Is so I, I agree. He is kind of the same vein of like, okay, second baseman who's a good hitter, going to get you power numbers and some yeah. other stuff too. But the strikeout's uh, probably the difference. He also yeah. didn't strike out of that peak in the minors, though. So that's why I'm kind of like, if you watch what he did in the minors, this dude. Yeah, I think it was like 20% in the minors. Yeah, it was it was much like a lot lower than that in the MLB level. But also, it is a different game at the MLB. So, you know, you could go both ways with that. I, I do like the Reds, though. I actually will say I threw a dollar on the Nationals just because if there's a team out there in kind of that lower tier – and right now it's 200 to one odds with the Nats. I kind of like what they're doing there as far as, you know, it, we looked at the Diamondbacks a year ago and we, we counted them out for the most part and their youth took over. 
the CJ Abrams concept, the fact that you're going to have Dylan Cruz possibly coming up. Um, if they make a signing this off season that you don't expect, or if they bring in some mm. like low tier guy, you just never know. You never know outside of all the, the lower tier teams. And I'm talking about the likes of the angels, the pirates, the Royals, the white Sox, the athletics, the Rockies. I would take a flyer on the Nats all the way up really until the reds, uh, which are at 50, 50 to one odds um, or the giants of 55. Um, I also, Actually, from a value standpoint that I kind of like is the Diamondbacks at 40 to 1. You know, they just made it to the World Series. They know that they've got the talent to be able to get there. Do they make a surprise signing this offseason? Possibly. I, I've heard uh, Candelario rumors is one. I've heard that uh, they've been talking about bolstering the bullpen even more. So who knows? If the Diamondbacks make a move, maybe 40 to 1 is a pretty decent steal considering they literally just got there. They clearly are a step or two behind, uh, but they, they've got the talent to be able to get to that point. So I could see that being the case as well. Uh, but those are my kind of two additions or three additions, if you will, uh, to what you had already said. Um, let's quickly talk, Derek, about just what we saw with the World Series and specifically with the MLB playoffs as a whole. Um, were the Rangers truly, in your eyes, the best team in baseball this year? And do you think they'll be back again in 2024? Yes, I mean, the Braves, in theory, were the best team in baseball. But I, I think it's hard because given the format of the postseason, I do believe that, yes, there is a bit of luck that goes with winning in the postseason as opposed to the regular season over the long haul. But even though there is a bit of luck tossed into the postseason, there is a different, I think, format and style that you need to have to win in the postseason. And maybe the Braves were lacking a little bit there. I, uh, you know, they, they had a lot of starting pitcher injuries throughout the year, and that obviously hurt them to get to that point. Um, so, I guess if you're factoring in that, like, I don't know, I'm, I'm fine if you you want to bump the Rangers up a little bit more. I, I don't think they were the best team. Like, maybe if Jacob Degrom and Max Scherzer were fully healthy, then then maybe you can get more on board with that. Probably was the Braves, but I don't know. I, I go through this here in in Lawrence, and you know, covering KU basketball and everything because. KU's had so many teams that get one seeds, two seeds in the NCAA tournament, and then you lose early. And the saying here is always, you know, and, and I think this applies to baseball with some of that randomness that happens in the postseason. The um, the NCAA tournament, in the same way that the MLB postseason is, is the most exciting way to determine a champion, right? Because you don't mm -hmm. know what's going to happen. It leaves it open for that anybody could win this thing or that anybody could knock anybody off even if that sure. team's not going to win at all they could upset somebody else and prevent them from winning at all and but it's not the best way to determine the best team if that makes sense yeah. it's the best way to determine a champion it's not the best way to determine the best team and i think that's okay i think it's okay to have some randomness in sports i think that's totally fine you saw a lot of people saying change the format change the format well I, I think there are certain ways you can make your roster a little bit built better. And and I do think one thing that I've kind of, you know, started to, to get in on, I think front offices win regular season games. I think managers win postseason games. Mm -hmm. Now, now there, there are exceptions to the rule and, and obviously they're, you know, you, you got to have the right players and this and that. But like, think about this. You could be the best manager in the world. If you have the worst roster in baseball, you ain't winning 90 games. It's just right. not happening. Right. But once you get into a postseason series – and this, I think, is a perfect example. Bruce Bochy is an unbelievable manager. You look at all his World Series teams. They're not winning 9,500 and 105 games. Not, not a single one of them. Not no. a single one. 
but for he's just such a good manager in the postseason. He's he's had the right moves. He's known when to go to the right guys. He just that that composure that I think I don't know the kind of attitude and presence that he brings to a locker room that allows them to stay calm through a postseason series. Like I I think that's kind of part of it. And then you know when you look at like your DS series or your wild card series, like having one or two stud starting pitchers. That's the difference. Like that's kind of a prerequisite for there. And then in the seven game series, like you kind of have to have a swing man that can be your number three or your number four. Like um, I, I think there's certain ways to foolproof it that the Rangers in a way were the best team because they had kind of the different tiers that you needed along the way. But yeah, if we're just going off the aftermath, like, you know, you're playing 200 games, who's going to win the most games, who has the most talent. It's clearly the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, I, I agree for the most part on what you said. The one thing I will throw out there was the Braves rotation was not deep at all. And and part of that is at the fault of injuries, right? I mean, yeah. obviously they, they were hampered by that, but you know, Spencer Strider is a great regular season pitcher. Um, dude strikes out 300 guys a year. Like you're talking about a guy goes deep in games, but has he actually had like outside of, I, I think his, second performance against the Phillies was pretty sharp, but he had one, one of his two was sharp, but he hasn't had a clean postseason uh, in his last two. Right. Like, and, and granted he's new to the league still, um, but they haven't had a great dominant performance in the postseason in the last two years. When you talk about Strider or uh, freed um, where there's consistency, I think across the board in the rotation um, versus you've seen that with the Phillies uh, Zach Wheeler's kind of turned the wheels a lot more during the postseason. Um, you saw that with the way that kind of down the stretch here, Merrill Kelly uh, really locked in for the Diamondbacks. He did that during the World Series. Uh, he did that in Philly. I mean, like the big part of the postseason still continues to be, are you getting support from your starting staff? And my takeaway is I also agree. I think the Braves were overall the best team in baseball. But I think the Rangers were built the best for the postseason just simply because even with the injury to DeGrom, they still had the Eovaldi, Scherzer, and Montgomery mix. And even if Scherzer wasn't able to go, you know, they had the Dane Dunnings of the world that could kind of provide a couple innings here, the Andrew Heaney's. Like, they had resources that allowed them to back it up, and the Braves just didn't. The, you know, the Braves were stacked on offense. But so were the Rangers. The Rangers had a great offense, too. So, you know, I think the Rangers were a better built team for the postseason. Um, it kind of like alluding to what you were talking about earlier, where, you know, you can kind of set yourself up for the postseason a little better. And you don't care as much about, you know, the 100 wins. You'd rather get the 90 wins and get it in. I, I think the Rangers were the better postseason set up team than the Braves. I really believe that. And I think that they're well, a better. Maybe maybe that's the lesson here. Yeah, maybe yeah, it's the it, pitching it, depth so. that you talked about because yeah. you go back to the Astros the year before who won it all, and that was the big talk with them too. Remember they? I mean, yeah, you have Christian Javier, you have Justin Verlander. I mean, they were loaded from a pitching perspective to a point where at one point in the 2022 season, Christian Javier was a relief pitcher because the Astros yeah. had so many good starting pitchers that the depth was right. there. So to your point, I mean, the the Rangers had enough pitching depth, and some of it was acquired at the deadline, right, with Scherzer yeah. and Montgomery, which great trades for. Them end up winning the World Series. You go out and get a role as Chapman to like they acquired some of the pitching depth. You don't necessarily have to yeah. go into the season with the most pitching depth, but be willing to acquire it, be willing to have it because that flexibility is so important over a yep. seven game series where you don't know what's going to happen. Whereas in the five game series, you saw this with the Diamondbacks, 
mm-hmm. having two guys, I think, is enough with Gallon and um, and Merrill Kelly. But once you get to the bigger series, I, I know they still beat the Phillies, but the pitching depth becomes even more important. So I think it goes back to our point, too, of talking about teams to watch out for next year. I'm going to just list these two because these Mariners. two are the ones that come to the Mariners, the Mariners and the Reds, man. Uh, if you talk about overall depth and the Reds need to rely on some health here, obviously, obviously you have to be healthy, you know, and, and the Rangers were able to navigate this without DeGrom. So watch out for them again next year, because having a healthy DeGrom potentially would just make them that much scarier. But if you look at the Mariners, holy cow, the depth that they have, they just need a batter two, man. Like they're a batter two away from doing this. And for the Reds perspective, they have a number of really talented arms and they're all young. So expect them to grow. They just need them to be healthy. We're talking if Hunter Green can be healthy, if Nick Lodolo can be healthy, if they can maybe make a move and get a guy like Dylan Cease out there uh, and just kind of add to that rotation, maybe one more piece or, you know, there's been rumors about Blake Snell. Why not Mariners and Reds? Why not Mariners and Reds? Jonathan India to the Mariners. Yep. And then you yep. toss back one of their young, good pitchers, whether it's uh uh, Brian Wu, or maybe somebody who yeah. I, I don't know is trying to crack the rotation from AAA, who's a good, you know, like there's some way that you can kind of work something out there. And then we'll see that be the World Series, and we'll make a lot of money. How about that, Derek? I'm 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 cool with that. But I, I'll float those two teams as teams to watch out for next year because yeah, the, it, it's speaking. Like I mean, the, what we're seeing is actually working as far as pitching depth, and and I believe you can't have enough starting pitching. I really believe that because. The Dodgers proved that this year. Like they had a number of guys at the start of the year. They're like, oh, we got six to seven guys. We got depth. Did that work out in the end for them? No, like they ran out of pitching. And so, um, yeah, I I don't believe you can have enough starting pitching. um, And that's kind of where we stand on that. Uh, A couple more questions before we wrap things up here. Um, What are your thoughts on the Diamondbacks making it to the World Series? Were they actually for real or was this just a hot run? I mean, a little bit of both. Like, were they one of the two best teams? No. So from that standpoint, they had to get hot. And yeah, they had to get a little lucky, like say Suzuki dropping uh, the the fly ball that allowed the Diamondbacks to get in the playoffs over the Cubs. Uh, You know, you needed some of those breaks when you're playing on the margins like that. But like I go into this next year and I could see them winning 90 plus games because you're going to have those young players starting to step up another year. And the Tommy Pham addition for them was was really good. Like that ended up making them a better team than they were. And they were just kind of built for the postseason in a little bit of ways. Like over the regular season, if your number three through five pitchers are uh, I guess we'll toss Brandon Fott here, and I guess we'll see if this guy can go here, and maybe we'll do an opener here. That's going to be a little bit tougher over the course of the regular season. But in the postseason, as we talked about, like, you know, five-game series with the Dodgers where um, you're able to get the early 2-0 lead and eventually sweep, and then you, you go into the Phillies matchup and, and you're able to, to set things up with your pitchers to that you can get, you know, really four starts out of Gallon and Kelly, and you get one really good start out of – Brandon fought, fought along the way um, and you just get timely hitting like uh, that was okay. So I, I do think they were kind of set up for the postseason the same way that the Phillies, you know, the Phillies were not a great regular season team this year or last year. They're a good regular season team, not a great one, but they were set up more for the postseason. They hit a lot of home runs, which yeah. a lot of times in the postseason, it's even harder to string together rallies of single, 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 right? So you need those home runs and, and they do that. And they have those frontline pitchers just like the Diamondbacks with, you know, Wheeler and Nola. So, um, I do think there are some teams that are built better for the postseason. 
Um, for instance, like the Orioles, I think we're not one of those teams. They won a ton of games and they didn't really have the frontline starting pitching, which uh, made it a little bit tougher on them. Um, but yes, there was a level of luck that was involved with it because again, they were not, uh, I mean, they weren't even one of the you know eight best teams in the regular season. Right. I threw money on the Orioles as a future, by the way. I just want to throw that out there that uh, I, I like the Jackson holiday edition for them next year. That's inevitable. And um, I think that they're going to make a move to address that rotation because that was the downfall for the Orioles. Like if the Orioles had starting pitching, who knows what would happen, but who knows? maybe um, by next year, Grayson Rodriguez win a Cy Young and then it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> I think that that's what you're rooting for at, at the moment. I, I, I would assume Derek's a, a fantasy owner of Grayson Rodriguez. Uh, my quick statement on the Diamondbacks is this. I think that they were a very good baseball team. I think they caught fire at the right time and their guys played collectively incredibly well together. Like they balanced each other out incredibly well. Agreed on the Tommy Pham edition. I think Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is one of the most underrated players in baseball. I really do. Like it, he came up with numerous clutch hits um, he's just kind of always present in every game that you're in, right? He's not the sexiest pick, uh, but he gets a base hit when you need him the most. He hit that three-run bomb that got the Diamondbacks back in the game against the Rangers when everything seemed like hope was lost. Um, he just he, He's one of those guys that I want on my team. He's a free agent, by the way, so uh, could be a really underrated signing there. By the way, I'm just going to throw this out there. You know, Cody Bellinger's name is going to be floated for a lot of teams. If Gurriel signs somewhere else, which I think he will, imagine Cody Bellinger returning home to Arizona. Uh, granted, there are a lot of left-handed hitters and a lot of outfielders on that team, but imagine if they added a Cody Bellinger bat in that lineup. That's a scary team next year, and I could see him wanting to go back. That would be like the most athletic outfield available because at that point you're really? having you know Alec Thomas, who's a really good athlete defender in center field. You can move Bellinger to a corner. Yeah. Slash first base. I guess he can play some there too. Uh, Corbin Carroll. I mean, that that outfield would be unbelievably athletic. And then you could balance it. I know, I know, like you said, left handed uh, heavy, but at least you have Christian Walker who's a righty, Gabriel right. Moreno's a righty. Like you, you can kind of balance it. Uh, you can tell Marte switch. On the so, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, I, I see that being a fit. Not, nobody's talking about it right now, but um, you have to take hometown into account. And I think Cody Bellinger's pretty loyal to where he grew up. So I, I would not be shocked if Arizona somehow lands Cody Bellinger. I just wouldn't. Um, before we go, we have our shotgun six-pack, and uh, we are going to tease our next show because our next show is a pretty fun one that we'll be doing here in two weeks. We're going to be doing our free agency picks. Uh, we're assuming by that point no major, major names will be going, and so stay tuned with us in two weeks as we do those picks. But before we actually go into depth onto where we expect these guys to land, for our six-pack, Derek, we're going to keep this very short and simple, and we'll touch on it more on the next show. Here they are. Quick one-word answers. Shohei Otani ends up with blank. Who is it? Cubs. Giants. San Francisco Giants. Not probably happening. going to be happening. Not happening. San, Not San happening. Francisco Giants. Um, Otani gets I'll tell you what. I will shotgun a beer if that happens. I will shotgun a beer on the show right. if that happens. All right, we got we got uh, video evidence of that. So, um, Otani gets blank years in a deal. I'll say twelve. That's what like Bogarts and some of the other big guys got. I think he gets thirteen. Thirteen, just okay. because it's going to be Otani one step up. So I, I I'll pick thirteen on that. Um, Otani gets blank dollars in a deal. I'm going to go six hundred million. That would give me twelve six hundred fifty a year. That's so much money, but yeah, six hundred. 
I, I'm going to go just a hair under that. I think he's going to get 575 million. And then there's going to be incentives that lead it to be like two or 625 million. Uh, you know, if he gets like an MVP or if he pitches this number of innings, I guarantee you though, I will guarantee there will be a clause that talks about his pitching, the number of innings that mm-hmm. he throws. Um, that's going to happen in that. Uh, anyways, uh, the fourth shotgun that we have a big name traded this winter will be blank. So I, there's so I actually think there's going to be a good trade market. So there's actually a lot I want to go with. I'm just going to say the Brewers trade Corbin Burns. I think that's a pretty big one. I like that one. I think I'm going to go with Tyler Glass now. I think uh, this is the time that the Rays are going to part with him and they should get a pretty decent return. So Tyler Glass now is my pick. Um, Craig Council's deal with the Cubs is blank. One word, blank. Weird. You don't see guys going in division manager from one to the other very often, especially with how weird that happened. Like the report that came out, oh, he's going to a team that has an active manager. That was weird. And, uh, you know, David Ross is one game away from saving his job from last year. So, yeah, yeah. weird. Uh, intriguing. I, I think intriguing is the right word for me. Um, give him that roster. Give him the flexibility. I think he can do wonders there. He's a great manager. Um, and he's got an offense to work with. He hasn't ever had an offense. So uh, curious to see what that looks like. Um, and then last but not least, this is a softball question for Derek. Bob Melvin to the Giants is blank. Good. It's not great. It's not like the, the greatest thing ever, but uh, they were having problems in the locker room. I think he'll fix that. He's a Bay Area native. Uh, seems to have good relationships with uh, Japanese-born players or I guess uh, – uh, I don't know, like Asian-born players, which is helpful because they're going after Jungle Lee, they're going after Yamamoto, they're going after Otani. There's a lot of players out there. I guess Amaniga too, so yeah. I, I would use your same rationale uh, and use the word cool to also <laughs> explain it the same way, but I'm going to use the word funny, and I think it's funny just because I want to laugh at the Padres a little more because of how funny it is that their locker room clearly was just this toxic. And, and there's just something that hasn't been right in San Diego that he quite literally jumped within his contract in the division up North. And obviously he has ties to the giants and, and into the Bay area. But I think it's funny just because the Padres continue to think that they're, you know, on top, they win the off seasons yet. One of the most, you know, consistent managers in baseball can't even stand to be there and he, and he goes back up north and to a team that's you know on paper the talent is way less but i guarantee you he's going to do way more with that he's going to pull a bruce bochi type type thing here and that's why i think the the giants are a fairly decent bet next year so uh anyways with that being said derek that closes out our show any final thoughts as we turn our attention to the 2023 2024 free agency no, I would just say uh, enjoy Thanksgiving, uh, enjoy all the stuffing, and hopefully we have – okay, over-under. So I, I said that at the beginning of the show, over-under. Will we have one, like – I'm not talking like a you know a minor league free agent deal or like a, some reliever signs a one-year, $2 million deal. Will we have a real free agent deal by Thanksgiving? Yes, we'll have one at right. least. I'll say yes one. as well. Yeah, I think we have at least one. Somebody's going to start the market out. Uh, by, how about this? By the next time we do our BNB show, we're going to be talking about that one signing that already happened. Yep, I agree. I think that happens. So we'll see. We'll see you guys all in two weeks. That will do it, though. For Booze and Baseball, on behalf of Derek Johnson, I'm Dusty Baker. Thanks again for pulling up a bar stool and hanging with us. Let's grab a drink again in those two weeks. Until then, we will talk to you soon. Cheers. Cheers.